Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? This is the Believe in Blazers podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Episode number nine. I am Stephen Vaughn. I am with my co-host, Tori Jones. Uh, catch me on Twitter at Stephen underscore V-O-N. Catch Tori at Tori Jones YT on Twitter. Tori, what's going on, man? Blazers 4-0. Everyone's feeling good. Uh, a lot of positivity right now in Rip City. So I wanted to get your thoughts. What are you, How are you feeling right now about Portland? Living the high life, Stephen. <laughs> Living the high life, man. 4-0 start for start in, what, 23 years, man? 4-0? Feels surreal, and they have a real chance to continue their winning ways. They have three more home games, and they've beaten some good teams. So, uh, I, hopefully, this is the team that they are this year, because I could go for a successful Blazers season. <laughs> Dude, that would be nice, man. And, uh, you know, it's good. It's good for you. Uh, you know, I was a little down on the Blazers this year, but, uh, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy that they're 4-0, and it looks like, you know, it, it's they're winning in different ways. Right, and that's the thing is that's nice is it's not the same thing that we've seen over and over and over with the old Terry Stotts regime, and even last year with the Chauncey Billups at the start of the year. So we're going to get into that real quick. But of course, just want to let everyone know that this podcast is sponsored by Bet Online and Bet on or Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, anything. They got it all. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE. That is believe B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. We love those guys over there at Bet Online, and we appreciate their support. We appreciate your support. Uh, so let's just get into this, Tory. Right now, Blazers. Right now, we're recorded on a Tuesday night, or yeah, Tuesday night. Uh, Blazers four zero just beat the Denver Nuggets by a lot uh, in a kind of a weird game. But I just want to get your thoughts, Tory, on what you're seeing right now from Portland that. Um, you think can be sustainable for the rest of the season because, you know, I talk about this, you talk about this, like the way Portland is playing is a little bit different. What do you think is sustainable this year to continue the success for the Portland Trailblazers? I think the style of play is sustainable and I think the style of play is better. They're mixing up defenses. That's something I had a problem with in previous years, how the Blazers just ran out one defensive scheme and offenses had an easy time building a rhythm. They're making the same reads off pick and rolls all game. They're going up against the same coverage and it's very easy to scout before a game heading into a game. You, If you know the Blazers are going to run, say, drop scheme the entire game. So, the changing up the defenses, I've always thought is a good thing. It, I think, took Denver out of their offensive rhythm there in the third quarter. The Blazers were mixing in some zone, mixing in some different stuff. And I think just throwing out different defenses, defensive looks is a good thing as long as you can execute them somewhat. And I think the Blazers have still made some mistakes, but their defense has been solid. I think they're rated ninth in defensive rating right now. 
due in part to throwing out different looks that teams aren't ready for and it's thrown teams off their rhythm. So yes, teams might figure out the Portland Trailblazers a little bit more as we go forward, but just mixing things up defensively is a positive. That's a part of their style of play. And then the ball movement on offense is really hard to guard. When Damian Lillard struggled in game one, other guys stepped up. When Anthony Simons struggled in game two or game three, Damian Lillard stepped up and enough other guys were able to step up to get wins. But they're moving the ball. Multiple guys are getting involved. You got multiple guys that can attack off the dribble. So it's a multifaceted team-based offense right now. And it's a team that plays on the defensive end as well. That's what the best teams in the league look like. Yeah, I just want to clarify. Uh, the last podcast we did uh, after the Kings game, I said I was a little worried about Damian Lillard. Uh, I can officially take that off the table. I'm not. Uh, you know, I thought that first game, I think you're right. Like you mentioned, he might have been a little bit hurt. Like something might have tweaked in that first game. I think you're right. Like Dame's obviously back. Um, I, I had no worries about it, but, you know, it was just worrisome to see the first game back. It didn't look right, but he's obviously back. He's back to his great self. Uh, the thing I liked <clears throat> was their last game against the Nuggets. You know, Anthony Simons goes off in the third quarter, right? He goes crazy. And yet, Damian Lillard had more points than Anthony Simons, and we don't even talk about it, right? Like, he's already back to that level of dominating on the offensive side, and Anthony Simons was the talk. Like, that is a big for me. Uh, the thing that I love right now with Portland Trailblazers, and I think this is huge, is Josh Hart. Uh, we talk about how he's just good at everything. He has a couple nice uh, stat lines this year. Like, he's only taken five three-pointers, which I love. Like, that's not his strength of his game. Like, that's one of the weaker parts of his game is shooting the three. He's not shooting the three. He's basically playing as a big guy this year, averaging over 10 rebounds a game because we know Jeremy Grant doesn't rebound, right? No matter how athletic he is, how big he is, he's not going to rebound, and he doesn't have to. Josh Hart is going to take over the rebounding stats for Jeremy Grant and kind of be that de facto four on the backboard, which is good because then Jeremy Grant can get out and transition, do some things, and then also Josh Hart getting rebounds, getting out, going coast to coast. I think that is sustainable because he just plays hard. So I think Josh Hart has been such a good uh, player this year, and same with Jeremy Grant. Like, I can't say enough about having two guys on the wing that actually know what they're doing, right? Like Josh Hart gets the rebound, goes coast to coast. You don't have to worry about it like you did with Al Farouk Aminu and the way he dribbled. Like Josh Hart's going to make the right play and Jeremy Grant's going to make the right play as well. So I think those two things have been huge. Just getting two guys on the wing that actually know how to play basketball at a high level. I think that's such a good step for Portland this year. Um, and it's obviously sustainable because sustainable they are two vets in this league. Yeah, and I think they are making the game so much easier for Damian Lillard. I love Josh Hart in the starting lineup right now because I think he's helping generate some quality looks for Dame. As you said, we didn't really talk much about Dame, or at least Blazer fandom. Didn't talk a whole lot about Dame's 31-point game last night. He had a quiet 31 points. I felt like against the Phoenix Suns, where he had 41 points. It was a quiet 41 points. I was talking to a Suns fan during that game. He said, wow, Dame has 41? It feels like he doesn't have that many. And I think it's because we're so used to Dame going off for 40-point games, 50-point games with a barrage of insanely difficult shots. And he's still having moments where he's hitting, where he's hitting some Dame-esque shots. But he's having a lot of catch-and-shoot looks. I believe in one of the games, seven of his eight three-point looks were catch-and-shoot. When, when have we ever gotten Damian Lillard that many catch-and-shoot threes before? And it's because you have a guy like Josh Hart who can handle the ball and who can create, and Dame can play off of that. But then also, Hart has gotten this starting lineup playing with a little bit more tempo and a little bit more pace due to him just grabbing those boards. He's averaging 
10 rebounds per game right now. Grabbing those boards and then pushing the ball up the court before the defense is set and then looking for guys like Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons filling the wings. And Dame has gotten some good opportunities off of that, some layups off of that, some open catch and shoot threes. And I, I love Josh Hart is just that glue guy to help out a Damian Lillard and an Anthony Simons, help them get shots. He was a part of Anthony Simons's run there in the third quarter, just handling the ball, pushing the ball up the court. And was getting a lot of his looks off a catch and then maybe making one dribble move, but most of it was started by somebody else. Uh, just having that connecting piece at that small forward spot that can handle the ball and take the pressure off those guys and then set those guys up, I think has been huge for this Blazers team so far. And it's why I think this offense can be uh, more like the offense we saw last night instead of the offense that was struggling a little bit at times the first three games. Yeah, Josh Hart, the way he's playing it, it seems silly to even think that there was a small forward competition in the offseason right like this guy obviously is better than the other two and uh he fits perfectly in this lineup but you know he's just one of those guys that i think a lot of he's gonna play in the league for a long time he already has he's had a great career but he's gonna continue playing because uh he plays the game you know the right way you know quote unquote the right way and good teams are gonna want him on so he's always gonna have value uh in this league uh i want to talk about um another guy right now uh, Shaden Sharp, you know, he had the explosive first game. He's shown the flashes. Uh, what have you seen the last few games out of Shaden, uh, whether positive, negative, or uh, just anything, your thoughts on him? I, you know, for me, he's been great. He shows flashes. You know, he's, you see the athleticism. You see it just oozing off of him. And I expected him to be, you know, inconsistent and going to have some struggles. But for the most part, he's been pretty good all year. Yeah, and he's had a couple of quiet games, but honestly, I like that he's having quiet games because there are some rookies that are used to taking a bunch of shot, they shots, they come into the league, and then they still play the same style of play, but in games two and games three, he didn't really do much, he took a little bit of a back seat, but he still was okay defensively, didn't force things that's okay. Just as long as Shane Sharp is not hurting the team when he's out there on the court, it's a good thing. But I feel like after how good he looked in preseason and then how good he looked in game one, the expectations have risen where it's like, oh, this dude would love to see him get 10, 11, 12 points per game in only 20 minutes off the bench, right? And he had 11 uh, last night against the Denver Nuggets in, what, 16, 17 minutes? He was four for six. He'll have those moments, but I like that he's not forcing things when maybe he either doesn't have it going or just isn't able to get the touches necessary. It's not like he's out there hunting his points or hunting his shots. So I feel like that's something that's understated that's been a positive so far. Yeah, no doubt. And it's one of those things where you don't want to put too much on his plate, right? Like, he is only 19 years old. You don't want to have him expect to be going out there and scoring double digits every night. Like, you can't have that. I think that's the wrong choice. But to have him go out there and just play his game, that, that's when he's awesome, right? And he can be really good, get out in transition, finishing with those dunks. He's been very impressive again, you know, and I liked what you said last podcast about me. Like, I'm pretty hard on these young guys. I, I don't really have much negative to say about Shane Sharp. Like, I love his game. I love what he's been doing so far. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for him. Uh, let's just go back to, like, the full team mode here. One more thing. I wanted to ask you what, um, you know, two of the things that the Blazers have been really good at this season that they haven't necessarily been great at in season past. One is getting to the free throw line. I believe the Blazers are around second top five at least uh get into the free throw line right now but also fast break points you look at the fast break points that the Blazers had um you know they've been around 20 points the last few games uh last game against Denver I believe they had 26 uh yeah 26 fast break points what do you think is more 
uh, you know, sustainable, but also a better way for the Blazers to continue having success? Is it to try to keep running or is it trying to get to the free throw line more? And what do you think they're going to do? I think they correlate because you get out in transition. A lot of times you're able to attack the rim. The defense is still, you know, run, running back. They're not set up. And a lot of times I feel like the Blazers are getting some fouls because they're being aggressive in transition, playing downhill and attacking the rim. We're so used to the Blazer team shooting 50% of their field goals from the three-point line. It's kind of weird. They were 16 for 35 last night, but most of their shots came inside the arc and they shot a lot of free throws, right? That is so foreign for a Portland Trailblazers team, especially when they have it rolling. But uh, some nights, three-point shots aren't going to fall. You're not going to have it from behind the arc. You can get to the free throw line consistently if you attack. You can get some easy buckets by playing in transition. So it kind of goes back to the point I made about Damian Lillard having some easier 30, 40-point games. I just think the Blazers are getting a lot of high-quality looks because they're pushing tempo, they're pushing the pace, getting some good looks in transition, getting to the free throw line doing so. But then also, that's the thing. In the past, the Blazers would walk the ball up the court and run some sort of half-court stuff. If you don't have something in transition, you can always back it out and run the same stuff you're going to run. Like, I I always had a problem with the Blazers in previous years not looking for those early opportunities to get some high-quality shots and just settling for a half-court offense. And this year, it's not like that. This year, they're getting out in transition, getting on the fast break. And uh, I think it's sustainable because you got guys that can handle the ball, got guys that can grab and go, and then got some serious threats there. And then the bench unit, you got a lot of youth and energy. So uh, how are you enjoying this? style of play man dude i love it yeah i think um i think i'm a little more worrisome than you about about the fast break thing um you know i i love it i love getting the fast break i love getting out because you know if you play basketball if anyone played basketball you know that getting easy buckets is so hard to do especially in the nba and the blazers proved that you know the past 10 years right like they never got easy buckets and then when it came to crunch time when it came to the playoff time the Blazers had to work for every single basket, where now they're getting out in transition, they're scoring easy baskets, which just makes it so much easier for the whole game, right? It gives you momentum, gives you confidence on the defensive side. But my worry about it is, Tori, is that the Blazers were so bad a season ago. And, you know, you had people like me saying, oh, Blazers under, Blazers under, they're not going to be that good. Um, and now they're coming out motivated for their first few games, first 5, 10, 20 games and they're going to really get out and run. And then after that, you know, they are, you know, they're not old, but there are a lot of vets on this team that don't necessarily have to prove their worth in the NBA, right? Dame's been paid. Jeremy Grant's been paid. Simon's just got paid. Nurk has been paid. Like all these guys, you know, Josh Hart, same thing. Like they don't have to prove their worth in the NBA. I think a lot of times these young guys like to get out and run because they're trying to still prove, you know, I belong in the NBA. I'm trying to get my points up. So I will be interested to see if the Blazers continue to run more and I don't know if it's just going to be Josh Hart running the ball down the court or if the Blazers as a team are going to continue but you know I think they're always going to get to the free throw line Dame's the man to get to the line he can always do that Simons has shown improvement but uh when it comes to the fast break Tory, I am a little um I'm not gonna say worried but I'm gonna say I am interested to see if they continue to run at the pace that they are just because you know I think it is it's exciting a brand new year so they're just excited to get out there Yeah, I just don't think you can really compare this team to the team that started the season last year. It's a but what about what about a teams of four, right? Like Dame has never really been a guy that wants to get out and run. 
Yeah, but who do you who do you have? You got Maurice Harkless, Alfred Camino. Those guys can't handle the ball. Obviously, Nurkic isn't going to handle the ball. And then CJ McCollum is more of a half court player. He loves his isolations. Will take multiple dribbles, trying to set somebody up with crossovers. He wants to put somebody on his victims unit highlight. Right? Like CJ plays a slow style of basketball. I don't think Anthony Simons plays as slow of a style of basketball as CJ. And we saw like he makes quicker decisions. He is more of a catch-and-shoot three-point guy than CJ was. CJ could have knock, knocked those down, but Simons has a heavier diet of that. But then also, he just makes quick decisions, and you can tell he likes to run more. Like, he, he plays more in transition. He's not as much of a half-court isolation score. He's more of an opportunistic, like, either I'm going to have a three-point shot or they're going to close out on me. I'm going to attack and just drive straight downhill. If we run a pick-and-roll, I'll take the mid-range pull-up or floater if it's there. But if the big comes up too much, I'll blow by him and get to the rim. We saw two examples of both of those scenarios to get him going in that third quarter against Denver with Nikola Jokic, not knowing how to guard him off a of pick-and-roll. So I think already they're having that type of guy next to him is a positive. Josh Hart obviously loves playing hard in transition. And you say, like, he has nothing to prove. But did you hear Damian Lillard's quote on him about pickup basketball, man? You know how, like, you played, I played. There's always that guy that's just super competitive. Honestly, it was kind of kind of me back in my day. I'm crazy competitive. Josh Hart apparently in pickup games is, like, kicking stuff and getting mad and, like, playing insanely hard and... He's just like a competitive guy like that. You know, the, he's the he's that type of guy in a pickup game that's going to take it seriously like it's the NBA Finals. And Dame was talking about how he loved that. I have no worries about Josh Hart being a competitive guy. But that's why last year I talked about how the Blazers didn't have enough competitive guys on the roster to set that tone. Like Norman Powell wasn't competitive last year. Robert Covington can play defense, but he's not going to handle the ball or play an up-tempo. Like he's not going to push and transition or do anything like that. He's basically just a spot-up three-point shooter. So I think you just have a, a different DNA with this team. And I think they're showing that DNA. I'm not worried about them. Like they're going to have moments, games where they come out flat, but I think this is just who they are. Yeah, no, I you know I, I'm not worried about it again. But I do, I do. I'm interested to see how it goes. But uh, you are right about Josh Hart. We all know that guy who uh, you know I played against plenty of guys that they won't finish an open gym until they win. Right? They have to finish on a win. But at the same time, if you don't try your hardest, they're going to try to fight you. So like, <laughs> like that's what Josh Hart is. It seems like, and, and it's awesome to see. Right? I think this you know just going back to the the trade of CJ McCollum. Um, and getting Josh Hart, like it's looking better and better day by day. You know, that's a whole nother conversation, but you know, to get Josh Hart in there and he's just such a better fit next to Damian Lillard, uh, because you know, for all the good things Dame does, Dame isn't necessarily going to be a guy that is going to get after it on the defensive end and, you know, get the ball and push right away. Like Josh Hart fills those needs. And you talk about CJ, like CJ doesn't do that either. So Josh Hart does the little things that Dame doesn't necessarily do. So, uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great fit with the Blazers, and uh, you know, I just love the way he's played. It's, it's, Josh Hart's one of those guys where, like, you watch him from afar and you appreciate how good he is, but then you get him on the team that you follow, the team that you watch, and you see him night in and night out, and you really appreciate all the little things he does, right? Like, he is just that type of player. I love uh, what Josh Hart has done. Yeah, um, talking about the offense again. Uh, so the offense, sixth in the NBA in offensive rating. Uh, you talk about defensive rating. So sixth in offense, ninth in defense. Uh, nice job by the Blazers there. Uh, so what what has been, have you seen anything, you know, X to nose wise 
Um, that's really getting the Blazers, you know, good looks or getting to the free throw line more because they are getting to the free throw line a lot. Is there anything that you've seen, you know, specifically that's different and that you weren't necessarily expecting that's really helped the Blazers out this season? Honestly, there's nothing that I can pinpoint X's and O's wise, but I haven't really fully gone and broken down the offense from a schematical standpoint. I think it's just more so you got guys that can attack. And it's simple, but you got four guys that can do things off the dribble. And who do you hide a poor defender on if you're a team going up against this Portland Trailblazers team? Who do you hide a poor defender on? If you have a guard that can't defend, he's either going to have to guard Damian Lillard or Anthony Simons. What, you're going to put him on Josh Hart? Yes, Josh Hart has played a more facilitary role this year, but Game 1 had over 20 points, and he can attack and finish around the rim. You're not going to hide a, a small, weak defensive guard on Jeremy Grant. You're not going to hide him on Yusuf Nurkic. Like, what What do you do? How do you, how do you deal with that? So that's the thing is... This team doesn't even necessarily have to run sets or anything. They just have to play off each other, drive, kick, attack, closeouts, take the right three-point shots. It's everything that Chauncey Billups preached going into the season, and they can be a really good offense. And it's, yeah, you can game plan for sets and whatnot, but you can't just game plan for four guys that can attack off the dribble and create. And if they're just playing off each other, I mean, if it's not a completely set offense, how do you game plan for that? So that's where my confidence in this offense comes from because in the past it was just Dame and CJ hitting ridiculous shots, running a lot of pick and roll, playing a lot in isolation, and you could hide a defender on an Alfred Camino, a Mo Harkless, or some of the guys that the Blazers would start at the forward spots. Now you, you can't hide anyone on anyone on this Blazers team. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's um, They're playing a fun fun brand of basketball for sure. Uh, all right, I want to touch on this now. So the Blazers, as we recorded, 4-0, uh, and it's been a tough schedule, right? Like the first four games have been pretty tough, and it's going to continue to get even more tough throughout the first 20. Uh, but, you know, I love to look at the the betting markets. You know, I think it's I think it can explain a lot. Uh, it's not, obviously, it's not the end-all to be-all. It's not the truth, but I think it's just a good barometer of where you're at as a team. You know, we talked about the Blazers being 39 and a half wins going into the season. Right now, their updated win total is at 43 and a half, already up there. And uh, to make the playoffs, that uh, before the year they were underdogs to make the playoffs. Now they uh, are minus 160 to make the playoffs, plus 130 to not make the playoffs. So they are over 50 percent to actually get into that eight, you know, in the top eight seeds and play in that playoff game. Uh, but you look at the futures; still, they're still 10th in the Western Conference. Um, Tory, if I remember correctly, I believe you probably had the Blazers around eight or so, seven, eight, nine, right around there. Um, has your mind changed after four games where you think, okay, the Blazers could be better than you know a couple teams, and they should they could sneak into that six spot or maybe even five spot? Yes, because I was not confident ranking the Blazers anywhere before this season. It was a team that I didn't know what they were going to do, man. I felt like they had the upside to be a home court advantage team if they played both sides of the ball and played the right way. In the first four games, that's exactly what they've done. Uh, you know, it's only four games. You don't want to put too much into that small of a sample size, but everything I've seen has has made me more optimistic with this team because I don't even think they've played super well during these four games. Like, they, they did not play good in the first half against Denver at all. But what do the best teams do? They end halves well. The Blazers ended the first half last night against Denver well. But then you look at a team like Golden State. They could play a terrible first half, but they were good enough to just hang around. And then in the third quarter, they just go on some insane run. And all of a sudden, you're down 20 and you don't know how it happened. And you feel like you've played better than them. And yet, you look up at the scoreboard, you're down 20. And it's not even a game anymore. 
That's exactly what the Blazers did last night to a good Denver Nuggets team. So uh, it's just the way they're winning games, the fact that there's still a lot of stuff that they can improve on. They're still beating good teams right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm taking the over on that 43 and a half. I'm betting for them to be in the playoffs. I don't think, at this point, I don't think they're dealing with a play-in situation if they keep this up. They're battling for home court advantage. I always thought this team had this upside. I just didn't know how soon it was going to click, but it's already clicking. What about you? Are you are you fully this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about the preseason, and I think I was a little more worried about the preseason than you were. I wasn't taking it super serious because it is the preseason, uh, but there were things that alarmed me. And I think right now I'm in the same spot as I was at the preseason games. Like, it's been four games, and the Blazers have played well for four games, and have got four wins. But it's only four games. It's an 82-game season. So I'm not I'm not ready yet to jump off what I said. I said they were the 10th best team in the West. You know, I could, you know, I might be wrong about the Lakers. I think the Blazers might be better than the Lakers now, and I could put them at nine. But I'm not willing to go any higher yet. And I know it, you know, makes me sound negative, but that's just kind of how I feel. I just think right now it's too tough and it's too small of a sample size to say, all right, the Blazers are for sure going to be in the playoffs or going to be, you know, you know, competing for that home court advantage. I don't think they're that type of team. I still don't. Um, I do think a lot of it has to do with. You know, they are coming out and they're playing very hard here at the start of the year, trying to prove people wrong, which, you know, I was told a lot of times by Blazer fans, that's going to happen. And that's happened for so many years that Portland comes out and plays really hard to prove all the all the doubters wrong, which is great. Um, but I just, you know, I still have some worries uh, about the defensive side of the ball. I know they're ninth in the NBA defensive rating. There's still some things that um, worry me. The fact that they aren't very deep. Uh, Nurk hasn't been in like super bad foul trouble where you have to go small against a bigger team or you have to put in Drew Eubanks against a bigger team. Uh, so for me, like my view has changed a little bit. Like I'm definitely more positive. Like how could you not be right? Like how could you not be more positive after watching this team after four games? But I'm not going to say that I, you know, my mind is completely flipped and that, I think that they're going to be a top eight team. I still think they're probably in the play-in, and I still think they're probably nine or ten in the Western Conference. Um, I think after twenty games, if they're still playing this way, I probably will change my mind a lot. But right now, Tori, you know, four games. I'm not going to overreact to four games where, like you said, they played well, but they still didn't play awesome. Like there's room for improvement, but there's also room to regress and not be as good. So for me, like. I, I'm still I'm still on the more negative side. I think forty like thirty nine is probably wrong as a number of the win total, but like I think they're right around forty one wins, like forty one forty two, and I think that's kind of what they are. And we'll see what happens when um, when adversity hits. Like no adversity has hit so far this season, like big time adversity, right? Like they haven't been down by you know twenty points or fifteen points or lose by a big amount. They were so, yeah, down. They, they were down fifteen points in one of these, in one or two of these games. They've been down, I think, double digits in three of the four. No, I mean, but I meant like you know get down and then just like lose a game by fifteen and then have to bounce back the next night, right? That's what that's what I was meaning by that. I, I didn't mean to say. I meant to say lose by fifteen points. You know, lose by 15, 20 points, get blown out of the game. How do you bounce back from that? It's been, you know, it's been a good start. So I will say positive start, but I'm still not buying quite yet. Yeah, well, I am I want to do a little deeper dive on some of the specifics of what you're not buying. But first, I know you don't need me to say this, but anybody that puts out their opinion on the team that's negative and willing to, you know, take the brunt of that, I respect 
because I've been the negative guy in the past that's <laughs> taken heat for it. And, you know, like, I don't agree with you, but I respect that you are willing to just speak your mind, man. And not enough people are willing to just speak their mind. I feel like too many people are worried about like, oh, what are what are the Blazer fans going to like? Or what do they want to hear? And they try and be a little bit of a people pleaser. Like, I love it. We get to debate this, which is awesome. Which is absolutely awesome. So respect to you for putting your take out there. I just want to know, defensively, in regards to Anthony Simon specifically, because I've been impressed with his defense, getting through screens, but he's also stronger. He's moving his feet well. I think he's... Do you, would you say he's been a good defensive player the first four games? Because I think he has. I'm just curious what your thoughts are. And whether yeah. or not you buy that, like, long-term. Yeah, I think he has been. Um, I think Josh Hart helps him a lot, right? Like, I think... Knowing that he has people on the backside to, you know, help him out, I think is really helpful for Anthony Simon's... I think he's been good, right? I think I agree with you. I think he's been good this season. I don't know how much I buy of it yet. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, God, the, this team I really feel like had a lot to prove. And I think they're coming out and they're playing really hard at the start of the year. So after 20, 25 games, they are going to have nights, like you said, where they're lethargic and they don't necessarily play hard. I, I want to see those games and see who steps up and who motivates the team to get going a little bit. Um, so for Anthony, you know, it is nice to see, like, he's definitely changed his body. He's definitely changed his game a little bit to fit next to Damian Lillard. Uh, is it sustainable? I mean, yeah, it is, but I'm not ready to say he's going to be a good defender after four games. Yeah. But I mean, just as long as he's solid, that's good enough yeah. playing next to Dame. I think like Dame... He, he, has to, he has to be at least average, right? Like, he has yeah. to be able to hold his own against a really good guard. That way, Dame doesn't have to guard anybody. Like, Dame can be the guy guarding the non-offensive threat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Dame's been as bad as he's been in the past in some seasons. Like, I wouldn't say he's necessarily been a good defensive player so far, but that's the thing when the Blazers play a lot of zone is Dame isn't, you know, tasked with doing a whole lot. But, I mean, you look at the starting lineup, I think Nurkic has been very quietly solid defensively. Jokic, nine points in 27 minutes against Nurkic last night. Nurkic played 35 minutes and did not foul out. I, I didn't see really anybody giving him credit for that. There's a lot of people out here that's always talking about Nurkic can't stay on the floor because he fouls too much. Nine points for the MVP going against Nurkic, and he played 35 minutes. Like, I, we got to give him some credit for that. No, give him props for that, man. Nurk was awesome, and he always plays... He always plays relatively well against the Nuggets because he does hate them a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, it's, you know, again, and I've said this too, for all the hate I have of Nurk, Nurkic can be a really good player. And when he was healthy before the leg injury, like I told you, like he's probably a top 20, 25 player in the league. That's how good he was. Um, and he, he'll never get back to that level. I just don't think he has athleticism anymore. But defensively, like he's a very smart defender. He's in the right position. So he definitely can help. Uh, there's just a lot of things that bother me about him, but man, he was he was awesome against Denver. Like, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just looking down the starting lineup. Like, I think Simons and Nurkic have been solid, and I think they will continue to be solid. Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant have been good, right? And then on the bench, the Blazers haven't even had their best defensive player this entire time. So it's like you add him into the mix. What's that going to be? And we're talking about how hard they're playing. Gary Payton the second is plays his butt off. All right. We, I love Josh Hart for being the like heart and soul of the team. That seems like what he's becoming and how hard he plays. You throw Gary Payton the second into that. I mean, 
You got him off the bench. He's a phenomenal defender. You got Justice Winslow, who's a good defender. Sharp's been okay. He's been solid for a rookie. I mean, personnel-wise, this is a team with defensive pieces. And then schematically, the stuff they're doing and how Chauncey has them playing, um, you know, there's been a lot of hiccups because they're trying to run a bunch of different stuff and they probably don't have some of it fully down yet. But I expect room for improvement there as they get used to running some more, you know, weird zones and doing different things on the defensive end. So I think that's going to make them a better defense down the road too. That's why I'm buying the the defensive stuff is because personnel-wise, I think they are an above-average team in terms of their defensive personnel, and then they're doing they're they're doing creative stuff. I do I do want to ask you about the zone defense real quick, Tori. Uh, you know, you talked about that they've been running the you know I wouldn't say a lot of zone defense, but it seems like they've gone to it every single game. I don't necessarily like that. Like I don't like zone defense. I think it's more of the lazy way to play when you're actually trying to win basketball games. Do you think that is a thing that the Blazers can do all season long where they can switch it up and go zone for a few possessions? Sometimes I feel like Chauncey stays in zone a little too long. Uh, but what, what's your thoughts on zone defense in the NBA? Uh, against teams that shoot the ball extremely well and can space things out, it's tough because that's how you beat a zone. You just you space it out and you knock down threes. So like against the Los Angeles Lakers, it works because <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah, can't yeah. shoot yeah. at all. Against Denver, Denver isn't the type of team it wor- works against and they got some quality shots, but I think more so I just look at it as a tool to throw an offense out of rhythm because all your man-to-man offensive sets, all your base offensive sets don't work against a zone. Because you're you're not screening somebody who's guarding a player because guys in zone-to-zone defense are guarding a zone. So you all of a sudden have to run different stuff and the offense feels different. And even if you're not getting more stops out of a zone, it can be a good tool to throw an offense out of their rhythm. Then you switch back to a man-to-man. All of a sudden, um, the offense doesn't have the same rhythm. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a thing where, you know, Denver's offense was rolling first half. The Blazers switched to that zone in the third quarter Denver still got some good looks but then you combine just throwing them a little bit out of rhythm and then what Anthony Simons did to them the Blazers had a good defensive second half so but that's the key for Chauncey is knowing how long to run it knowing when to run it knowing who to run it against but the Blazers have athletes that can cover ground and that's what you need in a zone defense I think personnel wise they they have good personnel to run some zone uh, it's just going to be interesting once teams start to game plan for it, potentially, if teams start to pick it apart more. But that's the thing. You throw it out there and teams look ready for it. Okay, you switch back to a man-to-man. Yeah, no, that's the worrisome part for me is like just to stay in it too long. I think smart teams should be able to destroy zone defenses. And, you know, it works against the Lakers because they're pretty you know they're pretty dumb offensively like they're a dumb team and so it didn't work you know for the lakers they were missing shots uh that's why i was surprised like denver couldn't really get rolling like you said they're getting good shots weren't necessarily making them but uh i agree with you like i i, I just don't want them to stay in the zone too long i feel like when you got to win real-time basketball games real big basketball games you can't be dropping back in zones i feel like those teams are going to get uh destroyed later on in the season but you know that's just another thing uh look forward to uh, with the with the improvement on defense, Tori, you know, you talked about the starting lineup, just how you think even you know the below average defenders are playing pretty well right now. Blazers ninth in defensive rating. I think we all probably expect a little bit of regression going forward. Uh, what what do you think this team's defensively? You know, we didn't really put a pinpoint a number on it before the season of what we thought they could be defensive rating wise. 
do you have a sense of what you think this team could be defensive rating, you know, midway of the season or the all-star break? I think they can be a top 10 defense. Oh, so, played, you, you, so you think they actually could stay I think they nine. can be a top 10 defense. They've played four good teams without their best defensive player. And last game, they also didn't have Justice Winslow. I I, I mean, yeah, maybe you expect, expect some things to regress a little bit. Maybe the zone defense gets figured out a little bit. But that's the thing is like when I look at this four-game sample, yes, it's a small sample, but it's like what's going to change? where all of a sudden the defense isn't the same. Our team's going to make more shots. Well, Denver was hitting shots last night, took them out of a rhythm. Like, yes, a team could have a shot shooting night, but that's the thing. Even top five defenses have some bad defensive nights. No team in the NBA is always locking down teams every single game. I just, I, I, I don't know how it doesn't get better because you're going to add Gary Payton the second to this. He's phenomenal and... I don't know, like this team's still making mistakes that are fixable, and I expect them to clean up some of those mistakes. So I, I feel like they can be a top 10 defense. I'm not going to predict that. Right. Yes, I'm copping out of that. It's, it's not super bold, <laughs> but I think they can be, they're sitting here at nine right now, and I think it's sustainable and could be a little bit better if they play some bad teams finally and get Gary Payne the second back. Yeah, I mean, call me crazy. I, I think this team could be a top 15 defense. Like, I think it'd be right around 15, you know average to maybe even above a little above average uh this season like i think you're right they got they got athletes and the thing about chauncey is we always talked about you know motivation like motivation is one of those things like i think is a little bit cheesy i don't think it necessarily works in the pro, in the pros uh i've made some jokes about like the detroit lions on hard knocks how uh jamal williams is crying in the in training camp and i thought it was one of the dumbest things i've ever seen in my life and now you go out and look at the Lions and they suck because guess what? Motivation really does so much. It's hey, they've been the, in some games. Give us a. They've been in some. They almost that, beat Philadelphia. They've been there. They just can't all, get over the hump. They're, they're three and three against the spread, I believe. So it's you know whatever. Um, so they're kind of been in games, but like motivation only goes so far, right? Like you need the talent. Um, but I do think that Chauncey Billups has been a good. Like he's got these guys to play hard. There's no doubt about it. But they're also very talented. Right, we touched on Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart. They're very athletic, very talented. But like, even a guy like Shaden Sharp, we talk about how talented he is. He plays hard and he's ultra athletic. I think you got to give Chauncey Billups some credit. So I do think, I think you're right. I think it is pretty sustainable that this team uh, is going to play good defense all season long. I don't necessarily think it's going to be top ten. I think it's more top fifteen. But I think it's really good um, so far this season. I think it can stay pretty solid this year. That's kind of what we always said. Like. If the Blazers can get a top 15 defense, they're going to be fine because that offense is going to be great. Do you think it's more likely the Blazers have a top 10 offense or a top 10 defense at the end of the year? Top top 10 offense still. Um, so that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. But they have a legitimate chance of being top 10 in both. And if you're top 10 in both, that's like a 50-win team. That's a championship um, contender. Like Yeah, you, that's that's you're not dealing with a play and you probably got home court advantage. And historic, that's the yeah, historically in the NBA – you have to be at least a top 10 defensive rating mm -hmm. team to even compete for an NBA championship. There's been one exception. That was the Lakers where they had Kobe and Shaq. So uh, Blazers don't have that. Yeah. So they got to get to that top 10 if you want to be you know, a championship level team. Yeah, but even if their offense is 5 to 10 and their defense, you know, with adding GP2 and all that still regresses back to average, that's still a, that's still a playoff team. That's still a team where that wins more than 43 games. So I think it's I think it's very realistic, and you brought up that number. That's their over under win total right now. Like I think that's a very reasonable uh, over 
over. You know, you if you want to use bet online and maybe maybe it's easy money. I don't know. That's a term we throw around <laughs> over on my YouTube channel over there on Blazers Uprise. Uh, you know, I'm not. This is this isn't betting advice or anything, but maybe you want to make a play on that. I don't know, uh, but it's just gonna be it's just gonna be fun. And the, my whole thing going into the season was we're gonna wait and see how this team plays. And every year there's a team in the NBA that surprises people because you look at their roster on paper before the season and oh, it doesn't look phenomenally great, but the the result is greater than the sum of their parts because the team plays a cohesive style of basketball. They play really well off each other, and then they play defense. And you look at the Memphis Grizzlies last year, nobody had them as a two-seed. Everybody was saying they were going to be in a play-in game. A lot of people thought they actually didn't get, they didn't get better going into last season. I was one of those people, right? But then John Morant breaks out. Okay, cool, now they have a star. But when John Morant didn't play, there was something like 20-6. and six. Because they their their offense was a team based offense that was cohesive and just generated good quality shots, so it was still a good offense even without their offensive star. And then those guys played defense. So without John Morant, that team doesn't look special at all. But it still was a really really good team last year. I feel like the Blazers are that team that's just cohesive, that can play good enough defense. And then when you got stars like Damon Damon Ant last night was phenomenal. Then you have the offensive firepower, but even, you know, if one of those guys rests or miss a little bit of time, you still got enough pieces on this team that should you just move the ball, attack, create, you got enough creation ability, still should be able to have some pretty good offensive nights. So uh, that's that's why I'm buying this team. I just feel like they're that team that everybody slept on due to how they looked like on paper in the cohesion of the entire unit and the way they play, their style of play, going back to what I opened this podcast with, is going to generate a lot of wins. Yeah, I mean, I think it's too early to look at standings unless you want to screenshot the Blazers in first place and you want to post that. Like, no, they'll be there a little bit longer. Knock on wood. That's hey, that's good for you. Like, I'm all for that. I'm all for Blazers fans flexing and saying, you know what, Blazers in first place in the Western Conference. I think it's cool. Uh, but you know, a little too early for the standings talk. So it's like, you know, you talk about 43 and a half wins. Like last season, the Nuggets with a six seed, 48 wins, and then the Eastern Conference, the Bulls, six seed, 46 wins. So I think that's the number you're shooting for, right? Like if you're a Blazer fan, you want to get to that playoffs. You want to get to the playoffs, the playoff field, that top six, you're guaranteed a series. You got to be shooting for 45 wins minimum, right? And I think that this team, you know, if all if, if they play like this all season long, 45 wins is definitely within grasp. Um, and I would never deny that. Like that's, I think that's a realistic number if they continue playing well. Um, again, I still have a little concerns. I think the depth is going to be a problem at some point. I'm still not in love with all the, you know, the lack of depth that I think that they have. Um, there's a few other things, but, you know, I think they're on the right track, Tori. And, you know, so 45 wins, you know, if you're top 10 offensively and defensively, like you said, they're definitely going to be above that. Even if they're, you know, 15 in defense, like I think they could be, they're probably around 45, 44 wins. And they'll be competing for that six seed. Yep. I'm curious what type of piece you feel like they're missing in terms of a depth piece. Like, is it a specific skill set or just like just having a high enough caliber of player or what specifically is missing there? Well, I think obviously they need another big guy on their team and that might be Trenton Watford. Um, he, it might be him. It might be Trenton when he comes back. You know, he hasn't been healthy yet. Uh, I'm not, I, I am not as high on Trenton Watford as I think everybody in the Portland area. So, um, I'm not ready to just say he's going to be the answer. I also think, again, I'm not a big Nasir Little guy. He's been playing a lot better. 
Uh, you know, I told you last time, Tori, just let me know when he starts playing well, and then I'll be oh, impressed. Steven, he's play, he's play, he's, he's playing well. well. He's, he's playing, playing better. Well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, he's been playing well. You know, he's been uh, actually making plays off the dribble, like that little fadeaway he's got from like 15, 18 feet. It's it's nice, man. Um, I I think they need a, they need another like three uh, th- three to four position, like a uh, small forward, power forward type guy on their team. You know, Nasir Little is good off the bench, but I think they need another guy like that and another big. I think um, guard wise, I don't I don't necessarily think they need another another like ball handler on the team. Uh, Josh Hart, I think, could help fill that void. If it's Simons, Dane was splitting the reps. I think they're fine there. I think it's think they need a couple more front court pieces because I do think at some point, you know, I, I can't rely on Nurk to play 82 games. I can't rely on him to play 75 games. I think at some point, you know, I don't want to say he's going to get injured, but you're going to have to rest guys at some point. You can't just play him 82 games. This is not how it works in the NBA anymore. And there's going to be games where Nurk gets in foul trouble. And it's going to be a lot of Justice Winslow at the five, which I think against some teams works great. But against other teams, it's going to be very hurtful. Um, and I think Denver would have been a great... It would be very interesting to see if Nurk got in foul trouble and Winslow was playing what they did with the backup situation at that. Because Winslow has been so good as like a backup big guy, but he can't handle a guy like Jokic. So I would have loved to see that. So I just think another big guy and maybe another, you know, three or four on the team is is desperately needed yeah yeah but here's the way i look at it man we're talking about backup big spot and then maybe a backup forward like i think Nas can be the backup forward. you got was i'm okay with that for now maybe it's not enough but i think they figured that out by the trade deadline that's good that we're talking oh, about the back yeah, we're yeah. talking about roster construction and we're talking about what the blazers need and it's like yeah they could they could use like a, a bigger a better backup five and move you banks to the third string or whatever that's that's good because even good teams have question marks off the bench. Like Milwaukee has had questionable be- questionable benches in years past. Phoenix, I think this year has a questionable bench. They played well tonight. Jock Landale was awesome, but they have a questionable bench. So even some of the better teams, it's like they they have bench question marks. We're talking about a backup figure. Like that's good because no, in the past good. it's been. Al Farouk Aminu can't shoot consistently enough. Keep teams honest. Neither can Maurice Harkless. I mean, throw it back to the Mason Plumlee days. He was not the answer at the starting center. That Nurkic trade was still phenomenal. Um, but then it was like we've had some really bad benches in years past, and now it's you have you have pieces off the bench still. Like Gary Payton the second comes back. You got him. You got Sharp. You got uh, Winslow. Nasir Little. It's a. I think it's a quality bench, and they've played defense. It's just how can you make that a top ten bench in the league? Because if you have this starting lineup with a top ten bench, then you're you're sitting pretty. But I mean, buyout season comes around. This team is winning games. You could be looking at signing a, a backup big man, or potentially in a trade, backup big men are somewhat easy to get. Toss in a second, couple second round picks, maybe a Gion Johnson, and see what you can get out there on the trade market. So, uh, I, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm just preaching optimist optimism this whole podcast, man. But no, I, I like it, dude. I like that you're being positive. I like that. Uh, basically, all Rip City is being positive right now. Like, there's, there's no reason not to be right. Like, I hate to be like the negative guy. Like, oh, I still think that they're not as good as that as they've shown, but like. I can admit, like, there's no reason to not be positive right now about this team. Like, they're really good, and they're playing really well in their first four games. They've played some really good teams, and they've, like, they've, you know, they've hired my expectations for the beginning of the season just four games. Now, I'm not going over 
over the top, but like they've changed my opinion a little bit. Does this team remind you a little bit of uh, 2015 kind of? That starting lineup was so good, and the bench had such a problem. They go out, and they trade for a flalo, but then Wesley Matthews gets hurt. Like, does it remind you of that type of team? Where uh, I think that, the bench is start- better. This bench has the bench been good. Like statistically, the bench has been good. So that I don't really fully buy how good the bench has been statistically. I don't think they'll be that good. But I mean, in games two and three, Shaden Sharp had the highest plus minus. Which, you can't read too much into plus minus, but that shows that, like, he's playing with a bench unit that doesn't even have their their mid-level exception signing, and the bench unit is doing just fine against some good teams. So, I, I, I feel like this team has more of a bench than that team, and also I feel like this team is harder to guard. Because, a lot, like, LaMarcus Aldridge would get his, but, what, he's going to shoot turnaround mid-range fadeaways? Like, okay... We get a hand up and and whatever, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and maybe send a double team and then rotate out like Batum and Matthews were shooters. Rolo didn't do a whole lot, but this team has four guys that can just attack and just gets you caught in rotations and scrambling and attacks closeouts and it's it's tough. So I I have more confidence in this team than I had in that team. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I love that uh, 2015 team. Like I thought that was. A legitimate, really good team. Um, when they trade Who was for their a Flalo. sixth man that year before a Flalo, though? Well, it was a Flalo. Uh, Alan Crabb. Alan uh, Crabb, Darrell Wright. <laughs> yeah, Chris Kamen, Steve Blake, Myers Leonard. You know, that was the bench. I did not that, like that bench, that bench at all. Yeah, that bench was poor. So, uh, you know, before the Wesley Matthews injury, like, they needed that backup. They go out mm. and get a Flalo, and he would have been perfect as a backup there. But, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think this team definitely this year has a better bench so far right now. Um, I will say this though, Tori, you know, looking at minutes played real quick, you know, I think it's, you know, we could probably wrap up here pretty soon, but looking at the minutes played, it worries me a little bit. I want to see the minutes down a little bit. Does it worry you at all that, uh, you know, the starting five is all averaging over 30 minutes a game, just as Winslow's at 25 and then Shaden Sharp is 15 and that's it. Like the bench isn't getting a lot of playing time. Like, is that, is that, does that bother you that the starters have to play so much so early, uh, so early on this season, not really. Uh, I th- do you think it? I still think, think they're working. Back, do you think it could come back to haunt the Blazers at some point? Like, I mean, they're playing good teams. Like the starters didn't play a ton last night, right? Yeah, let me look at this box score. Grant played thirty six. Nurkic, Dame, Hart played thirty five. Like that's okay. You know, you got four minutes of garbage yeah. time. But they've been playing some good teams, so I think they've been slightly overplayed. And then once you get Gary Payton the second back into the fold, like he'll be able to eat up a couple of minutes from each starter, I think. Because that's the question: is like, where does his minutes come from? Um, with the bench not playing a ton, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of everybody. So. I think it's fine. Yeah, because I mean, look, if you're looking at right now, Josh Hart thirty. I mean, they did have the overtime game uh, against Phoenix, which adds to it as well. But Josh Hart thirty-seven and a half, Simons thirty-seven and a half, Dame thirty-seven, Jeremy Grant thirty-six and a half, Nurk thirty-one and a half. Like I, that's a lot of minutes for your starters, um, especially at the year. And that and that goes to my point of like, I think they're really out to prove something here at the start of the season to get off to a quick start. Yeah. I mean, more blowout wins means a little bit more rest, though, so let's get some more of those. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard. We'll have to see how many minutes per game they're playing at the end of November because November is really tough, and then you're going to get GP2 back. Trenton Watford's going to come back as well, so you're going to have a couple more quality pieces off the bench. Obviously, Peyton's going to play, and Watford's going to be uh, a guy that's thrown in depending on opposing lineups, but 
I don't know, like Shane Sharp's a rookie. I think you have to build trust in him as a coaching staff to know like, okay, he can go out there and and get the job done. Nasir Little uh, was rusty, didn't play for seven months, so he was still working his way back into things. So I think it's a product of a bunch of little things, but it'll be interesting to see if Chauncey Billups truly does have a winning team for the, you know, first time in his young coaching career. How many minutes are his starters actually playing? Yeah, uh, you know, Chauncey, I think so far, you know, if I had to give him a grade, quick grades, you know, A minus, B plus, like he's been really good this year. And I think that's going to be a big decision for him on how to play so many guys. You got to shorten those minutes. You know, we've seen in years past just with Dane having such a big shoulder load. I know the, I know the load isn't as big this year um, as he has a lot of help around him, but you still don't want to play Dane. You know, he's averaging 37 minutes a night. You can't play him 37 minutes a night. At 32 years of age, I think that's just the wrong decision. Uh, even for Dame, who is, you know, he's just a crazy. He's a crazy guy that's just awesome at basketball, and he's a freak and athletic, and it probably won't affect him, but we've seen the playoffs before. It has affected him uh, going forward. So that, that's another thing I'm looking for going forward is just how he uh, manipulates the minutes for some people. I think it'll be, um, hopefully it'll be a little bit less for the main guys. Uh, you know, we talked about the schedule, Tori, uh, the you know, I said they'd probably be like like three and five or something after the first yeah. eight first games. First seven games. Well, I asked you first seven because they have the rest of this three game homestand, and then that's game seven. Yeah, look at the schedule. The, the homestand ends against the Grizzlies after seven. I think I said three and four, best case scenario, probably two and five. Uh, that was looking way off. So, uh, yeah, your boy's wrong on that. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Dude, I lowballed it, I think, because I said five and two, and I was sitting here thinking, yeah. man, I'm being a little wildly optimistic, and they're four and oh. No, dude, you're looking good, man. You're looking like a genius. I tell you what, I'll give you all the props. You like this? I, t- I tell you what, Troy. Like you, you came in this year and you said you were looking for certain things out of the Portland Trailblazers. They're pretty much doing what you asked them to do, and they're winning, right? Like I don't. And it, it's not like it's, you know, it's not rocket science what they're doing either. Like it's it's normal basketball stuff. I think the Blazers are just playing a smart brand of basketball, and it's amazing that when you get smart players and they're learning how to adapt and play with each other, like how well it can actually work. Like this team is, they're not doing anything extraordinary. They're just playing smart, a smart brand of basketball, and it's working. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got the right players in here. Got to give credit to Joe Cronin. I've been a little bit hard on Cronin in the past. Uh, mostly it was more so about, I felt like he didn't necessarily maximize assets at the trade deadline like he could have. But the direction is absolutely the right direction in terms of moving off CJ to make room for Simons. But then the types of players he brought in, right? And, and I was being a little critical in terms of like, I felt like he wasn't maximizing assets. Uh, There's a lot that goes into that that I'm not going to get into. But I had the thought last summer, like, that's what people thought about Memphis the previous offseason. Like, they had some questionable trades. Steven Adams was one of them. And in the end, it didn't matter because their pieces just fit and were cohesive and played the right style of basketball. It wasn't just about like, oh, how many assets do you have and how much talent do you have? It was, does that talent fit? And I had that thought at some point last offseason, like, man, this might come back in a situation where these pieces fit really well together. And it doesn't matter that if he maximized assets or not, because he has the right forwards. He has Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart, perfect compliments to Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons. And, and now... You know, it was just about getting them playing the right way. And that's why I said this team had upside. It's just the style of play. Can they play the right style of basketball? That matters, man. That matters. And in the past, we haven't really seen it. Stagnant offense, not much ball movement, one defensive scheme that just got torched. 
it's so refreshing. I'm so happy to see this style of play. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, that CJ trade doesn't look as bad now. Definitely not as bad. Got Josh Hart and Jeremy to. Grant out of that. You know, that was the Grant trade was great value, which which helped. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about that. Like, it, you know, I liked all their moves. Basically, they made this offseason. I just wasn't buying the roster construction. But uh, I looked to be wrong after that. You know, Cronin seems like he knows what he's doing a little bit. You can still argue the Powell coming to trade uh, didn't get back the pieces that you would like. Uh, I'm fully willing to admit that. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, the CJ McCollum trade, that trade was such a good move by Joe Cronin because they just had to get off the Dave and CJ thing. And they had to try something different. And, and it's working right now after four games. So uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, the next time we record, probably going to be next Tuesday again. So they'll have two more games, Heat, Rockets. Uh, so we can just talk about the, going to the seven games. Now that they're 4-0, Tori, end of the road trip, they got the Heat on Wednesday, the Rockets on Friday. Then they get a couple days off. Uh, and then they take, yeah, four days off. Oof, what are we going to do? What are we going to do in those days? I'm going to uh, relax. I'm going to, hopefully go. I'm, I'll be enjoying a 6-0 record. I tell you what, you'll probably be dropping dropping player preview videos. And yeah, I'll do player, something video. Player profiles, dude. Go I want to do out. an analytics video and just look at the analytics from the first six games at that point. You, so that's probably something I'll do. What you need to do is you need to go in and look at uh, why Jeremy Grant sucks at rebounding. You told me to do that. <laughs> I think. Have you figured it out yet? No, I can't because the first four game rebounds per game. The first first game of the year, he rebounded really well. Like, and we talked about that. Justice Winslow was the five. He rebounded really well as like the power forward on the mm-hmm. team, and like you needed as the tallest guy out there. But he hasn't done it since. Like Josh Hart has taken all his rebounds. So like, I don't know, man. I I can't figure him out. But see, that's that's, that's fine though. Like Josh Hart can rebound like the power no, forward, yeah. you know, and, and that's the thing, Grant yeah. can rebound like the point guard, and Dame and Simons can rebound like a shooting guard, small forward. That's just kind of how it goes. Grant had one rebound last night. Oh, I. I don't no, get two, it, two. I can't short yeah. Two rebounds in 36 yeah, minutes. <laughs> I, I don't get it, man. But I, like I said at the top, like Josh Hart has been so good. I mean, obviously Dame's the MVP of this team, but Josh Hart is a close second in MVP. Like, I'm not joking. I think he has been that good. Uh, all right, so they got the Heat, the Rockets, the Grizzlies. Um, you know, 4-0. Torrey, what are they going to be at the end of this road trip? 6-1. and one. I think they beat the Rockets, and then the Grizzlies are a tough team. Heat are a tough team. I know the Heat have struggled, but you still got Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry. Like you still got some pieces. I think they split those two games. And uh, I, fe- dude, it's weird because saying that feels pessimistic. Saying that they're going to be six and one. What in the world is hap? What what is happening to me? I mean, that's the thing. Like, if they're seven and zero after this stretch, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like that. And that's just like, it's weird to even say. Like, I didn't think that they'd have seven wins to tell about, you know, game 20 on the season. So to be, to even have a shot at 7 0, I think is, is so impressive, right? Like, it's just so impressive. I think, I think, I think you're right. I think just after watching this, I can't imagine they run off the next three games. I think they lose somewhere and they get tripped up. I think six and one is the correct answer. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. Six and one. They'll split with Miami and Memphis. They're so good at home. That's another thing I forget. You know, it's just like last season was such a fake year that I think I forgot how important home court can be for Portland. And I, you know, not that I wasn't sleeping on Dame, but like, yeah, Dame's awesome and he's back and he's great and he's you know towards the top of the league. So I do think I think you're right. I think they probably split those games. Beat beat Houston. They're six and one after that, which is very impressive. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine seven or all, but they beat the Suns, who tonight blew out the Warriors. 
beat them 134-105. They blew out the Clippers 112-95. They beat the Dallas Mavericks on opening night, the Suns team, and the Blazers beat them, right? So after this homestand, they play the Suns two more times, and that's the final two times for the year. That's on November 4th and 5th, back-to-back nights in Phoenix. Um, that... I, I can't see it going to 9-0, because Phoenix is legitimate, but they've already beaten Phoenix once. Yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, I again, I'm, try, I'm trying not to get overly optimistic, but it's hard not to, man. I'm like, trying to take you, yeah. to, to take you here I, with me. That's the, I mean, that's the thing. Deep down, I am a Blazer fan. Like, I grew up in the area. Like, I love the Blazers. Like, I want them to be good, and I want to be wrong. And it's hard to say that, you know, that they're going to start losing games because the way they're playing uh, is different. But, yeah, I mean, that road trip will be fun to watch, uh, you know, because they have played two games at home, two on the road. And the road games were definitely um, more problem. They were more troublesome than the home games. So the road games will be a lot a lot of fun. But, yeah, man, I think 6-1 and one is a good start to the season, great start to the season. And not only that, but you, you've beaten the Lakers, you've beaten the Kings, and those are two of the teams that I think will be – you know, competing for that play-in spot. If the Blazers do end up in that play-in spot, you already got to win over them. So I think that's uh, big going forward. Uh, all right. So with that, Tori, you got anything, uh, anything else to add onto this or uh, ready to wrap this thing up? Uh, I'll just plug my YouTube stuff. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Blazers Uprise. Just uh, go on, go on YouTube search and search Blazers uprise and the blazers are uprising right now so it's very fitting so far this season and then we do video versions of this podcast if you're listening to the audio version we do it on our second on my second channel blazers uprise live there's a live on the end for our second channel and then uh steven you want to plug anything yeah I'll, I'll plug some stuff uh yeah of course obviously catch this podcast wherever you get podcasts and we appreciate all the support uh, and all everything out of you guys. You guys are great. Great fan base here in Portland uh, with all the support and then the videos as well on YouTube. Uh, catch me on uh, 750 The Game, 3 to 6 BFT, John Canzano. I'm his producer. Uh, I pop on there all the time, just give my takes, uh, spout off about whatever I want to talk about. And I'll be, uh, for the near future here, I'll also be on with my guy, Peter Sampson, 6 to 7 at the Pulse, uh, weekdays. Uh, not every day, but most weekdays he's on six to seven every night. Uh, I'll be his producer for that show as well for the time being since we lost a guy. Uh, so I'll be doing that. I'll be on uh, Bet the Game on seven fifty the game nine to ten a.m. on the weekends. Uh, mostly betting stuff. I do touch on the Blazers as well, usually on the Sunday edition. Uh, I just kind of give a wrap up of that. So uh, catch me on that, and then of course on Twitter at Stephen underscore von. Uh, questions, comments, concerns, anything, just hit us up. We are more than willing to interact with all of you. And with that, this is the end of episode nine of the Believe in Blazers podcast presented by betonline.ag on the Believe Podcast Network. For my man, Tori Jones, I am Stephen Vaughn. Thank you all. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.